Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Daniel Collier. Daniel, good to have you on the show all week this week. Have you, you enjoyed your week on Faith FM? I've absolutely loved it. It has been such a blessing, so praise God. We have been blessed to have you here. What are you thankful for this morning? <laughs> Don't make me look. Don't 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 go there, Daniel. Don't make me look bad again. I won't talk about last night's dinner then, but I will talk about what led up to That's last right. night's dinner. Don't talk about last night's dinner, <laughs> and it's uh, markdowns in supermarkets. Okay, all right, that's great. Right on the date, or the you know it expires the next day. You go in, it's half price. It's seventy percent off, and you think, you know what? There we go. Daniel, there's, there's dinner sorted for four bucks. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, yes, you're making me look bad again. How is that making you look bad? Not only are you cooking dinner, but you are also going and doing the grocery shopping. We leave here at the same time. You can do it too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We all dislike... We all dislike Daniel. All us guys dislike Daniel right now. I don't don't think there should be... I think there should be... I think there should be... uh, Can we can we just organize? Can somebody just organize some hate mail? No, we won't do that. <laughs> can someone, by the way, by the way, say so can someone share with me something positive to share on Monday? Because I don't want to keep talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I went shopping yesterday. Amen. I did grocery shopping Whoa. too, mind you. Because and and I didn't make any mistakes. What you normally do. Yes. Oh, you get, get, get such a such you come home with the wrong brand or the wrong style or the wrong type. Well, I sent I sent uh, I sent Shell a text message the other day. Where do I find such and such? And she said it's somewhere near the applesauce and the fig newtons. And so I bought applesauce and I bought fig newtons. <laughs> Good to see you at least listen to a part of that. That's right. Some of it came through. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's uh, let's see what have we got for positively different news. I am just so giddy about telling the story because not only is it positive and uplifting, but it's hilarious too. So this one goes back to the 19th of January. There was a Gold Coast grandmother of 10 who was out celebrating a birthday at a local tavern when a 23-year-old man in a high-vis vest has grabbed her handbag and run off with it. So she has actually chased him down, tackled him to the ground... Wait, 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 wait. Start this story again. So the robber, the robber's wearing a high-vis vest. Yeah, so he's, first off, he's great camouflage. obvious. <laughs> his, his utility is parked right out the front of the tavern. Yes. With the plates facing towards the tavern. Right. He has stolen the person handbag of this grandmother of 10. He's run off with it thinking, easy escape. He's jogging down the, the pathway. She's bolted after him and just... Tackled him to the ground, absolutely smashed him. And what was he like? A uh, a robber who was like ninety years old or something? Or other? He was a burly tradesman. <laughs> I'm loving this story. <laughs> Go, Grandma. So he's gotten up and he's tried to wrestle it away from her, and she's just bear hugged it. Like this is mine. You're not getting it. He's eventually given up, hopped in his utility, driven off. But he was parked there. But he's parked there and with his number plates on yeah, display. And later he was charged. Nice. To appear before a court. <laughs> now, being in the Gold Coast, Jared Wallace, who is a Gold Coast Titans prop, has come forward and said that the team would definitely welcome her in. 
and that her antics were likened to old school Gordon Tallis, where she's just dragged <laughs> into the ground as he's gone down. <laughs> was this caught on CCTV? Oh yeah, there's it footage. was. Oh, I just got. To, I'm going to have to watch this. This I think, is. I think I got it from uh, Seven Seven News. So if you look up their page, their YouTube page, I'll send you a link anyway. But uh-huh. maybe you can maybe you can share it with our viewers. So they can have a bit of a chuckle too. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely worth a chuckle. And people sort of look at it and just go, "Oh yeah, that's kind of a funny story." But uh, that guy's thieving. Yeah, and Romans one twenty nine, Revelation, Timothy, they talk about these things that it thieves is. are a part of those that are left out of God's kingdom. Bible says, "Thou shalt not steal." Right there in the Ten Commandments, Exodus particularly from 20. grandmas, <laughs> particularly from tackling grandmas, <laughs> tackling grandmas. Well, she's not- got ten grandchildren. Like that's. It, I, I got to tell you what, though, it is a special form of low when you have somebody who tackles who 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 uh, does a bag snatch from a grandma. Yeah, more attacks no, an elderly a, person. A, attacks an elderly person, a vulnerable anyone anyone who attacks a vulnerable member of the population, elderly, um, small, disabled, you know, whatever, that's a very very special person. That's a very special level of low. I'll say it. They're a special kind of coward. They are. They are straight right. up. So yes, that's wonderful news. I think that's great. He's been charged before the courts, so I hope we uh, hope we get a good outcome from that one. Moving on, we have another innovative idea. It's coming from a Spanish city in uh, Seville, actually over in Spain. Uh, by the way, you've got some you've got some support coming through. Wonderful. Yeah, somebody says somebody's texting. Daniel's thankful things aren't about making you look bad, Lyle. Rather, he's actually making men as a whole look such. Looks looks such an awesome example. Amen. Thank you for that. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> I think there's some guys out there on my side somewhere. <laughs> if there are, make sure you send a text through so we can have the counter argument. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We need we need healthy debate. Uh, this is good. This is good. Okay, so we've got Seville in Spain. It's home to palaces, oranges, and now there's a brilliant civic civic recycling innovative uh, circumstance that will see millions of tons of fruit being turned into electricity. So they've got fruit trees out in the streets, a massive amount, tons of it. Uh, what is it? 5.7 million kilograms per year fall to the ground and just become waste, squashed, useless, full of worms. Flies turn up. It turns into a very putrid smell. There's lots of problems associated so with it. So basically they've got fruit trees instead of decorative trees that are kind of... Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, I think it'd be epically cool. Feed people who... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're going to turn it into electricity because they can't get rid of it all. Yeah, they're going to take the leftover oranges, the ones that fall to the ground, and then convert them into electricity because of the high fructose. There you go. They t- will they make methane out of it or...? Well, it says that they consist of very short carbon change, which causes a fermentation, fermentation process to run hot, uh, which is enough power to run these five homes. That's, yep. that, that's so pretty special. Five homes from one ton of oranges. Nice. Like, what a great idea. See, I had a friend who made a, uh, a methane producing plant in his backyard that he powered by, you know, compost and household scraps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He no longer does that. <laughs> he did survive it, which is good. And it never did blow up or give you trouble. I was going to say, did it blow up? Is that where we're going with it? I think it was a fantastic experiment and one of those things that is kind of like, well, you know what, why don't we do this more? Why don't we have, you know, commercially produced composting units that harvest methane and heat? You know why. Yes, because there are big <laughs> companies that are going to buy up the technology as soon as it is patented. Make and it and the person disappears. 
that's it. That's how it works. Now, I do have one last story, which is just sort of on a whim, but I thought it was funny to say. Uh, there's lots of lots of news stories about this going around, but Mars has wind. Cool. Beg your pardon, Mars? Yes. <laughs> they actually have lots of wind from what I understand. They have. They've sent back the first recordings of the sound of wind rolling oh, across so Mars. Is, from so the Mars also has sound. And you can hear. You can hear things in Mar- yep. on Mars. You, they've so they've now proven that it has sound. Yep. They've sent back the audio recordings. And you can actually hear it. They've uploaded, NASA's uploaded them to SoundCloud. So here's the question though, Daniel, if there was no recording device, would there be sound? <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest. And <laughs> this is, this is the big question, isn't it? No, we've known about the wind on Mars for a very long time. They have really nasty windstorms on Mars. And, and this is one of the things I'm sort of wondering about is how they're going to go flying that helicopter around. Uh, with the massive storms, what happens? What happens with a helicopter? I wonder what their contingency is if they go flying on a nice sunny day, taking some nice photos, and a massive storm just picks it up and blows it to the other side Whoosh. of the planet. It's like, ooh, where did that go? <laughs> well, that, if, maybe the batteries some... on the actual drones could just what? recharge and come back. Yeah, maybe. I'd love to know what the contingencies are because that would be, you know, they could get some research they were not expecting to get. We Martians. might learn some things. <laughs> Who brought this guy? What surprised me was that overnight Mars gets down to negative ninety degrees Celsius. Ooh, that's cold. Make sure you take your two blankets. I'm looking forward to the sunshine we're having today and here in the Newcastle area. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, where are we going to? We have uh, some uh, more serious news to talk about now, don't we? So we're, we're talking about the uh, quadrennial meeting of the Methodist Church in the United States. It's been postponed again. Uh, they've been postponing this a number of times so far, and it was due to meet this week. Um, it was actually due to meet, meet on the 5th of May 2020, and it's been postponed several times between now and then, and they just keep pushing it back and back and back. It's now going to meet on August 29. Uh, this year, so that's a fair way back. And, of course, the big issue with pushing this particular meeting back has been COVID and the fact that this is a global uh, denomination and lots of people need to come in from right across the world, so it's not just a matter of having too many people in one building at one time. It's the challenge with travel. You just can't travel and, you know, you don't know whether the how the travel restrictions are going to change from one day to the next. It's kind of like if you want to travel internationally... Book those tickets in the morning, fly in the afternoon, or it might change, and it could change even between then and now. But could you imagine trying to run that on Zoom? The amount of little heads on the screen at once. Well, they actually <laughs> looked into that. They actually looked into it because they've got an important vote that they've got to make, and they're like, "Well, you know, they did a whole technical survey on it. They hired experts in. They're like, how can we actually do this? You know, because we've been operating via Zoom for the last twelve months, so surely we can do this. But it actually became too hard." particularly in ensuring that the votes were correctly counted and that the people who were voting were properly registered to vote. It was too open to corruption. Yeah. And so they're like, no, uh, if we go down this path, because it's open for corruption, we're not saying that people are going to be corrupt, but it's going to leave question marks in people's minds and we can't have this. Okay, so they're voting on splitting the church clean down the middle, straight in half. Starting an entirely new church. That is huge. All based around how people choose to have sex. So you're going to have a massive church out there that is identified by its self-identity is its sexual practice. There's, there's so much more. 
it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty bizarre when you think about it. It's you know, crazy. It's like, how did our world ever come to this when you've got a major Christian denomination founded by a fellow by the name of John Wesley who did more than anyone else to promote the biblical teaching of sanctification, holy living, obedience to God's law, and it ends up here. So to give a little bit of uh, history to this, in 2019, they voted on um, the ordination of LGBT plus pastors and the performing of LGBT plus weddings, and they're expecting that to just sort of breeze through, uh, but it didn't. It was voted down. And so there are a lot of people who are very um, upset by that, you know, backfired. A lot of people decided, no, we're going to take a biblical stand on this, a biblical approach. If we're going to, you know, have a, have a Christian uh, view of it, there is this thing called the Bible, and it doesn't have a lot to say on this subject. But it only has to say one thing on the subject, and you've got your answer. And Amen. it says more than one. That's right. Um, it, the Bible certainly doesn't harp on about it by any stretch of the imagination, but the Bible is also very clear on it. Now, there we... So that 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 backfired, and so then okay, we've we've got to have a vote. We've got to start a new denomination. We can't have this. We've got to have a split. Um, and so that was set up for uh, last year, May five last year. And then of course there was one group within the uh, Methodist Church that couldn't wait. And after the vote had been postponed a few times, they're like, "Well, we're starting our own church anyway." And so they, they broke away and started their own church anyway. But, yeah, now that's that's what's happening. So, yeah, wow. Okay, what, so somebody else's, uh, somebody else's, oh, somebody else's text, text is true. I'm not sure whether you're allowed to go down this way. They've get, somebody's going to cover all bases all at once <laughs> <laughs> with answers to the quiz. The Gallic Empire? No. The Palmyrian Empire? No. The Parthian Empire? The Sasanian Empire? None of those. But those are really good guesses. Someone's this history is, this is somebody who is on the money with their history and actually knows what the competing empires were in the third century to the Roman Empire. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. Uh, I'm, I'm actually super impressed. It was the first one Gallic? Yes. That's pagan, isn't it? Uh, yes. All of those listed there. Well... Third century? No. No, not third century. They were pagan empires, yes, but not third century. Okay. You couldn't, you couldn't, you, they were very, there was a lot of paganism. Mm. Um, third century? Nah. By 500 AD, paganism had vanished. Yeah. So, you know, paganism was still there, but very much on the out. Yeah. By the fringes. The, by, the, by, the, by the time, yeah, third century. Yeah, right. Comes along, so. Yes. And there was, you know, I mean, we've got a whole book of the Bible written to the Gallic Empire. Book of Galatians. It's not written to a city. There's no city called Galatia. They are the Gauls. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Was there a correct answer in amongst all those? No, there wasn't. No, okay. There wasn't, but I'm, I'm, I'm just like, one you might have been holding off on. Wow. Um, this is, this is a, the third century, you know, it's one of those eras where you had, you know, another, a number of major empires that were sort of all competing with the Roman Empire, which had been the dominant empire, but it was receding in its size. Um, and there were other big ones that were coming along. So it's an interesting period in history that not a lot of people know a lot about, but all right. Other stories. What have we got here? Uh, Father Patrick Holmes will, uh, m- most likely die in jail. 
He um, was just jailed for five and a half years for abusing five children. Um, and this is after he had already served a three-year sentence for abusing two girls. That was uh, back in 2014. So it doesn't seem like uh, he's going to make it out of jail anytime soon. And, yeah, institutional child sex abuse is one of those things that is just a terrible scourge on society. We also have, um, coming out of Tasmania, um, this is an interesting story, a little bit unique to Tasmania, uh, very close to my heart because, um, well, I have family there, you know, it's where I grew up. But four out of five Tasmanians will provide palliative care at some particular point. They will become a carer for somebody who is going to die. The national average is one in eight. So Tasmania is very, very high on that. That's a huge task to undertake. It is a huge task. It's more suited to Asian countries because of their culture. Respect of their, yep, that reflects their family, respect to their elders and so forth. That's right. And so uh, four out of five people in Tasmania will need uh, palliative care at some particular point. So they've just launched a new web portal called Care Help because a lot of people who enter into this, they become a carer and often it's for a short space of time. You know, get a person is elderly, they get a, a, a diagnosis and they might be gone in a couple of months and they don't know about all of the support that is available. And so they've just launched this. I think it's a fantastic idea. We need to provide as much support for our carers as we can in Amen. difficult circumstances. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. And joining me on the phone this morning is somebody who has been altogether too long since I've had them on the show, Dr. Don Batten. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, Lyle. It's good to be with you again. Now, just uh, to introduce you, you're the uh, what the CEO, Director for uh, Creation Ministries International, uh, well-known creation magazine, I guess, has been around for a long time. Um, there are uh, conventions that you run, speakers that go out, um, really talking about and promoting uh, creation. As we get started, just it's been a long time since you've been on the show. Why don't you just spend a little bit of time telling us about uh, Creation Ministries? Yeah, well, uh, last year in this unprecedented year, ha ha ha, um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we of course had our activities curtailed seriously in terms of being able to do ministry in uh, churches and schools and uh, things. So. Uh, uh, we had to resort to Zoom meetings and things like that, uh, which we've done a lot of. Um, and, uh, of course, Zoom meetings means that we've been able to reach people that people don't normally get to reach, uh, which has been good. But it's nowhere near as good as being there personally and being able to, you know, engage with people afterwards and uh, discuss things, follow up questions with people and uh, people want to ask, questions privately or something and um, and, and we, we were very concerned of course along with a lot of other Christian ministries that, that we might have trouble financially you know surviving um, because uh, you know the pandemic was uh, having a big impact on the economy and predicted to do so uh, but we, we were we've been blessed uh, God's people have stepped up to um, keep us afloat and uh, we've uh, financially been fine and uh, praise God it's been uh, been wonderful actually yeah that's fantastic so, um, 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've got so many people that have, you know, come to faith in Christ or had their faith restored or are being strengthened in their faith. They've seen the effects in their families of having Creation Magazine, for example, available to their, in their household and things like that. And so um, a lot of people realise how important this message is. And so consequently uh, the support was there when we needed it, which was wonderful. And uh, so praise God, we're here. Uh, we're ready to rock and roll again. <laughs> when border closures uh, enables to do so. And um, and we're starting to do some face-to-face ministry again, which is wonderful. And, of course, Creation Magazine and the Journal of Creation and the website have carried on, and uh, um, our speakers have been involved in writing writing books and articles and things. So, uh, you know, everybody's been gainfully employed, even when we haven't been able to do uh, face-to-face ministry. So... Uh, yeah, we've um, yeah, it's been uh, been an interesting year. And of course, the the whole virus thing, uh, coronavirus, raises questions which we're going to touch upon now. Which is, uh, you know, how can how can there be such nasty things in a world that good God created? And He said it was all very good. What happened? Uh, yeah. where, where, where do viruses where do viruses fit in? Uh, those are the questions of fallout, and so foremost in people's minds. And then we. Uh, yeah, we created create a tract which actually presents the gospel in the context of coronavirus. So, uh, that's people have used that, so that's good. No, that's yeah. fantastic. I think that's uh, super exciting. And uh, I guess if people wanted to get a copy of that tract or find out, you know, where you're going to be holding meetings and so forth, uh, just head over to creation.com. Is that the uh, place to go? Yeah, uh, you'll find the tracts there on creation.com. You can print your own or you can order. Order, order quantities from uh, from uh, our ministry. Uh, you can to be informed, uh, you know, consistently. You can sign up for the Infobytes, which is our email news, and that's uh, you can do that on the front page of the website. There's an option opportunity there to do that at creation.com. It's pretty obvious on the front page, and uh, actually, at present, you'll get a free video from a video on uh, creatures do change, but it's not evolution. That's uh, that's a talk I gave at the conference. Um, this happens to be me at present, but um, the video download, a free video download when you sign up for Infobytes. So every every couple of weeks you'll get a digest of the material that's been on the website. So there's new material six days out of seven, and uh, people are busy, of course, but this is one way of keeping up to date, and you can see, oh, that's a good article, should read that, or that's interesting, or I know somebody would be interested in that. Um, so it's a great, great way to, to connect uh, Infobytes and... Uh, you can unsubscribe if it doesn't suit you. Um, we, I mean, we don't give email address to anybody else. So, um, yeah, you can be confident in doing that. And, of course, that will also, uh, if you give us your uh, location, like your co- postcode, uh, we will send you information about any meetings that happen to be in your area. So we don't tell you about stuff that's elsewhere, but we tell you about stuff in your area. So, mm. yeah, and I, I just want to be informed and keep connected. 
Yeah, I just want to say that uh, I'm subscribed to those info bites, and I would highly recommend that to any of our listeners. Definitely jump over there and subscribe to uh, to info bites. There's a lot of material there. Um, Dr. Dumbatton, you were mentioning earlier about you know obviously COVID has affected everybody's ministries over the last twelve months. One of the things that sort of a question that has popped into my mind is we've seen these new strains. We've got the UK strain, we've got the South Africa strain, etc. Uh, and so we see this virus evolving through a process of natural selection. Is this the process of evolution that we're seeing take place here? Uh, Yeah, well, people like to uh, portray it as evolution, of course, Um, and then you get people saying, oh, you've got to teach evolution in schools, otherwise we can't fight viruses and this sort of thing, uh, which is complete nonsense. Uh, The sort of evolution that that they're claiming, of course, uh, is just variation in the existing genes of the virus. So the virus has half a dozen uh, genes on its RNA uh, genome and some letter changes occur randomly, these mutations, and uh, those letter changes can make it more infective. But what they don't do is make it more lethal um, because um, the, if you make it more lethal, it doesn't spread as much. So the natural selection is involved here but it doesn't create any new genes. So the, these mutations to existing genes don't create new genes. And this is the big difference. Um, and uh, all organisms undergo mutations. And the mutations actually randomise the information. They don't actually make it uh, new information, new new genes. But for evolution to be believable, for microbes to mankind, that sort of evolution, that we came from bacteria, or then we came from worms, and worms changed into elephants and mice and people. That's the big picture evolution that they teach in schools, which does away with God. You know, there's no need for creator because evolution explains everything. That evolution doesn't happen. And uh, the evolution we see happening is just this minor changes in things where you get small changes in existing genes, uh, existing information. So... Um, so, yeah, this happens, and uh, the South African strain and the UK strain are actually more infectious. But probably, they don't know yet, but probably almost certainly less lethal or less, uh, cause less deaths because uh, this is a direction in which natural selection pushes things uh, to be uh, more benign but more infectious because that spreads it more. So you can see how it works. Okay, so... Um the coming back, stepping back from there for a moment and just looking at the big picture then of viruses. Why do viruses even exist in a world, you know, we, we sort of posed this question, you posed this question right at the beginning of our conversation. In a world that God creates that is perfect, why do viruses exist? Well, I have to say, first of all, it's no longer perfect because sin came into the world. So back in Genesis chapter 1, we're told when God created everything, it was all very good. Uh, and Adam and Eve, of course, were in paradise, the Garden of Eden, and it was all perfect. Uh, but they sinned. They rebelled against God and told, they basically told, told God, we don't want to do things your way. Uh, we don't want you to rule over us. Uh, and, uh, consequently of that, God warned them, said, uh, to Adam that if they disobeyed him, that death would come. And death came. And not, not just death, but a dislocation of the whole creation occurred because of sin. So we look at the world today, it's no longer perfect. There's still a lot of beauty in the world, uh, but there's a lot of uh, non-beauty too, a lot of ugliness because of sin. So sickness, disease, death, 
suffering, all these things come about because of sin. So when we see these things, we just say, well, something's wrong. Um, and that's, that's actually where we should go. We should, something's wrong in God's good creation. And the wrong is sin. And that's why Jesus came, uh, to die because he came to pay that price for our sin, that, that, uh, that curse of death that came through, through Adam and Eve. And we've all confirmed that by our own actions. Uh, uh, Jesus came to, to deal with that, to undo the curse by paying the price for our sin that we can be forgiven and we can be restored to God, and one day there'll be new heavens and new earth where there'll be no more death and suffering. So that's a big picture from the Bible, from the beginning to the end. I just gave, just gave an overview of the whole Bible. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, okay, uh, so... What, yeah. what, what's the purpose of viruses? So viruses, you have more viruses in you and on you than you have bacteria, and you have more bacteria in you and on you than you have your, of your own cells. Now, that might be scary for some people because we think of bacteria and viruses as being awful. But in fact, most of them, the vast majority of them, are very beneficial and very necessary. You know, when you have an um, antibiotic dose, so you end up with diarrhea because you upset all the good bugs in your gut by killing them off. Uh, and then you have to have some yoga or something to try and re- restore things. So the, the viruses actually keep the bacteria numbers in check. Otherwise, the bacteria would be out of control. So they're all working together for our good, but then some go rogue, and that's where we get disease from. And that's, that's, that can be caused by mutations. Um, these accidental changes occur and cause them to go rogue, and they end up being, uh, causing disease. So yeah, that, that, that's the big picture. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of a scary thought, definitely, when, uh, when you say, well, I've got more viruses. Than bacteria, and I've got more bacteria than cells. Um, yes. Should we look at? Is, is, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, how many viruses do I actually have floating around my body? That's very off-putting. But as you say, they are good things. So, so I guess like anything else, because we can look at a lot of things in our world today. You know, we can look at a lot of you know, say for instance, our large furry animals that uh, many of them live incredibly violent lives that are not indicative of something we would expect to be in a good world, um, but have obviously been corrupted as a result of sin in our world, and it's exactly the same then with viruses where we are created with a lot of good viruses that have now been corrupted as a result of sin in our world. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the picture, yes. Yeah, very, very, very well put. What, what mm-hmm. then actually is a virus? Is this, I mean, if we think of bacteria, we sort of think of, uh, you know, a little organism, a little living thing that sort of uh, floats around in our body. Is a virus a living thing like a bacteria or a cell? Or what are we, what are we really talking no, about with a virus? Yeah, it's basically a bunch of uh, programming instructions uh, wrapped up in a protein ball. That's all it is. So it's actually not a living thing. Um, it actually requires living thing to reproduce. So basically, it injects its uh, its information, its DNA or RNA, with the coronavirus. It's RNA, which is a form of nucleic acid, and it's got the instructions on that RNA to make uh, its proteins that it needs to reproduce and make more protein, make more, make more viruses. Um, so it injects its RNA into our cell. And then inside our cell, it uses our um, systems to manufacture components. So it hijacks the cell to do that. 
And so one one virus particle can attach itself to a cell, and people might have heard the spike protein. The spike protein attaches it to the cell, and then once it's attached, it can inject its uh, RNA, and then the RNA instructions are used to make proteins that it needs to make, and, and also to copy its RNA and package it up into new virus particles, which is then shipped by the cell, and the cell bursts. Um, and releases thousands of, you know, perhaps a thousand virus particles from one or more uh, into, into your uh, system, into your bloodstream and so on, and then they go around looking for other cells to attach themselves to and reproduce. So they're just uh, basically little, um, well, like computer viruses, basically. They're just bits of information that reproduce. Um, and uh, But in doing that, of course, they cause sickness because your cells are bursting um, and uh, and then, of course, your body mounts a, a defence, but it takes some days for your body to actually work out what to do with it. So, uh, so I'm just sort of listening in here and trying to come up with an analogy in my mind. Is it a little bit like Australia? So in Australia, the country runs because we're able to share information. We have little bits of information being shared in all kinds of different formats all the time, and that's what makes the country run. Our country would not run if we did not have any way of sharing information. And so we've got all of these viruses, which are good viruses, sharing good information, but then when you get some messed up ones, suddenly information goes bad, which makes the country struggle. A little bit like that, maybe? No, a little bit like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe maybe I oversimplified that a bit too much then. I guess it's a bit like a bit of gossip. You know, somebody says something about somebody else and they tell somebody else and they tell somebody else and it just spreads around like that. But, um, but yeah, so it infects your body and uh, can make you sick. Of course, um, particularly younger people can get the coronavirus and not have it any really bad symptoms, although some do still feel bit, you know, I've heard of young adults dying from it. It's not as if young people are immune to it, um, but they can get um, symptomless and be transmitting it, which, of course, is a very effective way of being transmitted because nobody knows you're sick and so they don't stay, stay clear of you. <laughs> yes. And you don't, you're not aware you are infecting people. So one of the, in the early days of the, of the thing, they didn't really know how it spread. And uh, all this washing of hands and everything, but the big thing they found through epidemiological studies was it spread through these droplets of saliva, and that's why then they started to encourage people to wear masks and things like that, mm. um, because uh, that cuts down the amount of droplets of saliva floating around in the air. Mm. In neat research done by Japanese scientists, they they um, they use lasers to actually track the aerosol movement in the air. So I had a basically a typical air-conditioned room, and they use lasers to track the aerosol. And it's really scary. You could see the things floating around in the air for like an hour after people were in the room. So uh, a sealed room or air-conditioned room with lots of people in it is a good way to spread disease. <laughs> yeah, wow. Let's all get out and work outside, I think, in the uh, sunshine and fresh well, air. Well, the thing is that that's right. In fact, I think there's only been two cases of anybody that's thought to have caught it outside. Um, so because in in the out, open air, the air distributes and disperses it very quickly. Mm. 
Very significant. Dr. Don Batten, thank you so much for joining us here this morning from Creation Ministries um, International. If you would like more information, head over to creation.com and definitely sign up for their info bites and uh, their coronavirus tracks. We're going to move on with the show. We'll be back after this song and the 8 o'clock news with Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM.